1: the premier league all access podcast is proud to be brought to you by ladbrooks stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world the premier league with the latest odds form guides expert opinions and more the fans of the players at ladbrooks are you in let's go play at ladbrooks.com 18 plus be t's and c's apply
0: this is a Game Day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome
2: to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport for the ultimate preview of this weekend's FA Cup quarterfinals and Premier League action. Here's in through the legs of Rudiger, up towards the middle of the Chelsea half. Good tackle comes in from Christensen, but Pepe's picked it up. Now Aubameyang inside the area, goes past Suma, chips the goalkeeper, Brilliant. it's in! Coming up, The Mirror's Darren Lewis tells us it's a pivotal weekend for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who has it wrong if he thinks winning trophies are an ego trip.
0: Silverware is the metric on which you are judged. And for Solskjaer to say that silverware is an ego trip, hmm, I think he's getting his excuses in early. Agreed. Manchester United managers must be winning silverware.
2: TalkSport commentator Alex Crook dares to
3: go back in on the lead stamina question. He wants them to play with high energy, wants them to dominate possession, press high up the pitch. And we've seen in previous seasons... That they've run out of legs for Fulham, this could be a good time to, to play Leeds. Plus, in case you thought that we'd run
2: them dry, there's an original Scotch Egg joke. All with me, Sam Matterface, Darren Lewis, and Alex Crook on the Game Day podcast from Talk Sport. FA Cup weekend, and we've got all four live quarterfinals on the TalkSport network over Saturday and Sunday. I'm very much looking forward to Everton against Manchester City, which is where I will be for TalkSport. Uh, Bournemouth-Southampton is the game that kicks it all off for us at 12.15. Uh, we've also got uh, Leicester Man United and Chelsea Sheffield United, plus big Premier League game Brighton against Newcastle, which is live on TalkSport or TalkSport 2. Which one is it, Crook? Uh, Talk Sport 2 on right, Saturday night. Right, OK. There's a reason to download the app and flick to Talk Sport 2. Listen to that big game, Brighton against Newcastle. Now, I'm going to ruin the FA Cup uh, for everybody. I'm sorry about this, but it's just something that I have to do, especially the romantics. That I'm sorry to Southampton fans. I'm sorry to Bournemouth fans. I'm sorry to, to Sheffield United fans, Toffees. Manchester City will win the FA Cup. And if, by some quirk of fate, Manchester City don't win the FA Cup, then Chelsea or Manchester United will win the FA Cup. Because that is what always happens. Only twice in a generation, twice in 26 years, has anybody outside Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, Manchester City or Liverpool won the FA Cup. Wigan in 2013 and Pompey in 2008. It ain't going to happen, is it?
3: well we probably said that in 2008 we remember that well because we were working in Portsmouth at the time and there was that one weird weekend I think it was the quarterfinal weekend actually Uh, Portsmouth beat Manchester United because Michael Carrick couldn't score from six inches then then Uh, Chelsea crashed out, Liverpool crashed out, and all of a sudden it it was Pompey's to win. So I I wouldn't write it off just yet. Um, I think there are some intriguing ties this weekend. One of Bournemouth or Southampton are going to be FA Cup semi-finalists, one game away from a final. So, listen, I'm a bit more um, up on the romantic scale than you are. I think it's still a fantastic competition and surprises do happen. I'll caveat that and say that there probably have been less surprises this season because... There are no spectators, and I think that does make a big difference when you look at 25% away allocation and and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's a bad competition. I just don't think that the little ones are going to win it. I just think it's going to be the preserve of the big boys as it always is, mainly because, Darren, the big boys need the trophies in the cabinet.
0: Yeah, they do, uh, unless you're Ole Gunnar Soska and you think that good luck and charm is going to get you a new contract. I mean, they're going to give him one anyway, as things stand, whether he wins a, a FA Cup or not. So I would imagine... I know we're going to talk about it later but I would imagine that would must be the reason for his confidence but I, I'm with you I, I think sometimes your heart has to rule your head and when you look at the depth of squad available to Manchester City you look at the statistics you look at Everton's poor recent record they have been beaten in seven of their last ten home league games so playing at Goodison isn't necessarily a help to them the removal of the fans actually helps city because then it comes down to pure footballing ability and on that city have been the very best by far this season
2: let's get to it because our first fa cup quarterfinal preview comes from goodison park
0: Free inside the 6 sharp box and scores a brilliant goal, and once again Everton are ahead in this crazy cup tie. It will be difficult. We want to compete. We want to do our best for us to reach the semi-final.
3: And Manchester City, sensing blood, have their foot on the Swans' throat now. It's Swansea nil, Manchester City three, and they're going through to the quarter-finals again.
1: We will be judged for the titles we can win or lift but everything can change immediately in one day.
2: You're listening to the FA Cup on Talksport. It's live on Talks 4 at 5.30 on game day. Manchester City, 14 points clear through in the Champions League and in the final of the Carabao Cup. The quest for the quadruple pitches them against an Everton side in this round of the FA Cup. And City have won their last 13 away matches. I don't know if you saw the recent game between the two, but despite the Richarlison goal in that match, the Toffees didn't get a kick. How do they change that this weekend, Crook?
3: Very difficult because if Manchester City turn up and play their A game, there aren't too many teams in the world who can live with them. And Everton are hit and miss for me. Um, I know you, you mentioned in, in the introduction that about their injury problems. And unless they've got their first 11 out on the pitch, then then they struggle because the squad isn't deep enough, which is amazing when you, you tot up the hundreds of millions of pounds that the owners have, have lavished various managers with. <coughs> I make Manchester City favourites, but if they turn up and approach this game in the way they did in one of their previous rounds against Cheltenham, then, then, then maybe Everton will have a chance. But uh, while we're talking about this game, should we put out a missing persons alert? Uh, for James Rodriguez. He was last seen in about September when the sun was shining and the pitches were were, were nice and lush. Um,
2: well, Everton have more than one injury issue, of which he is one. He's got a calf problem. He's going to be out to mid-April. Uh, they've got a goalkeeping issue. Robin Olsen, obviously, is touch and go. Pickford's going to be out till April. DeCourie's absence will be keenly felt. Um, and there, there have been too many tepid games which they've been involved in recently, most obviously and recently, Darren, against
0: Burnley. Yeah, being at home by Burnley, a side of lesser quality but more desire. I think you've actually just spelt out all the reasons why Everton are not going to win this game. Uh, We do like to cling to the romance, but we're moving more and more into a game where the superior financial power of teams and quality of teams has been brought to bear. And I think none more so in this game. I can't make any case whatsoever for Everton Honestly, on all four fronts, I see a very strong side. I see an Aguero champing at the bit. He's got not that many miles on this season's footballing clock. Honestly, I let's move on because this game is going to be won by City.
2: Um, the quadruple was two hundred to one at the beginning of the season. In fact, just before Christmas, it was two hundred to one for Manchester City to do the quadruple. Now it's touching seven to uh, seventeen to two. I mean it. it most people think that it's, it's likely, it's more likely than not that it will happen because they're so strong in, in all of the competitions and being already in the final of the Carabao Cup, quarterfinalists in the FA Cup. They've done very well to establish such a healthy lead in the Premier League. In the Champions League, you talk about who they draw, it depends who they draw. But actually, I don't think they fear anybody in that either.
0: Can I, can I just say, I mean, Alex is the odds man, so he'll know far more about this than me, but even 17-2 to two is a huge price for a team so far clear at the top of the Premier League, for a team easily bester than any other team left in, in the FA Cup. Um, and, you know, give or take a bit of luck with the draw in the Champions League, you could easily see them seeing off a Porto, a Dortmund, and then suddenly you're into the semi-finals, the final. Eight and a half to one is a huge price for me, and I'm not even a. I, I'd use your money, of course, Sam. To, to, to <laughs> really put a pound
2: on. I got but, a bit to spend actually today because I, I won quite a bit on put the kettle on yesterday. I had a pound each way on him, so I won about fourteen quid.
0: So I could, I could use that. I didn't. I didn't know that they call put put the kettle on Polly in in the stables. In, in uh, did you know that? I didn't no, know I that. Didn't. I didn't know I that. Didn't. No, yeah, that's that's, that's a
2: nice that's a
3: nice little Cheltenham anecdote. I like that. I think we'll we'll right. use that and pass that off as our own. I think Darren's a secret punter to be giving us information like that. I agree with Darren actually. When you said 17 to 2, I immediately thought, like mm, that, you know, that's worth 20 quid of, of anybody's money. I'll still maintain that the the Champions League history is against them, it's against Pep Guardiola. It's been his kryptonite in, in recent seasons, certainly since he came to the Etihad and to a certain extent when he was at Bayern Munich as well. I'm fascinated to see how they will fare against a Bayern Munich over two legs. I make Bayern Munich favourites for that competition. Obviously, they could avoid each other until the final. I think, for me, that is... They're the two best teams. They're going to win the league. The the League Cup, (laughs) I'm in two minds because we know that Jose Mourinho, in a one-off scenario, knows how to win cups. So, I don't think that is necessarily a foregone conclusion. They are favourites to win the FA Cup. Are they going to win all four trophies? I think they might just fall short. Leicester into the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Right at the very end, Iheanacho completely unmarked. And it's Leicester who
1: head through to the last eight.
0: Our ambition is in every competition to, to go as far as we possibly can. You know, the club have never won the uh, FA Cup.
3: Can United get a shot in? Yes, they can! It's Scott McTominay who gives them the
1: lead. FA Cup is a fantastic tournament. It's a fantastic trophy to lift. To get our hands on the first trophy, win the first title would be fantastic. <laughs>
2: Leicester against Manchester United is live on TalkSport at 5 on Sunday. It's a great game on paper, this, but with a lot of the matches involving Manchester United and the rest of the big boys being tepid affairs over the course of the season, Darren, are you expecting a similar sort of game on Sunday night?
0: Yes, in a word. We build these games up, let's not kid ourselves, and then the players go and let us down. I think Manchester United, they're very, very hit and miss. Their away record very good but it masks a hell of a lot. Their home record's okay. They are second in the league in a transitional season because lots of the other teams have either underwhelmed or are in transition, like Spurs, like Arsenal. Chelsea most definitely have underwhelmed for all the money that they've spent. And Man United much of a muchness for me. I mean, we joked about it before, but I think Solskjaer getting a new contract he's really landed on his feet because they're a decent side, but no more than that. They don't have the killer instinct of United sides that we've all grown up on. Um, I don't think they've got the winning mentality of the United sides of previous vintage. So this game may well be a damp squid, even if it's, you know, even if there are goals in it, I think neither side is in the same class as City. And there is work to do for United.
2: Um. It's a key week for Manchester United because, and we don't know this at the time of recording, whether they are out or in the Europa League. If they are in, then there's not as much pressure on this game. If they are out of the Europa League, then this is Manchester United's only route to silverware, Crook.
3: I disagree. There should always be pressure for Manchester United. There's a pressure to win trophies. Um, they are a team who has the The pressure will be intensified in the if Cup. they are
2: out of the Europa yeah, League.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that, but... <laughs> I think herein lies the problem. You know, we're talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer getting a new contract without actually having achieved anything tangible. And uh, I don't think he can afford to write off the FA Cup, even if they qualify um, in the Europa League. The FA Cup is a competition that he had a bit of a love affair with as a player. The club have had a love affair with. Manchester United should be beating Leicester in the FA Cup. Let's, let's not make two bones about that. If they don't, it will be a failure. And and I know you what you say about big games disappointing that's happened a lot with United but actually the exception was the game against Leicester around about Christmas time I think you were there Sam it was a 2-2 draw it was an excellent game so I'm hoping for a bit more of that a bit more openness and we saw that in the FA Cup when United played Liverpool as well that was a really good game so I think the the fact it's not a Premier League game it might be more entertaining than than maybe you expect
2: Uh, it's interesting that you sort of talk about the the lack of a tangible uh, something for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to hang his hat on Something that he he suggested was a bit of an ego thing for some managers, really. He said in a press conference this week that when you see the culture of what's happening every day, I feel a lot of improvement in the everyday routine, everyday work. The boys have taken on board what we want, and it's for others to assess how much of an improvement. We're 12 points are uh, ahead of where we were at the same time last season in the league. Of course, we're all aiming to win trophies at this club, but as we've said, sometimes a trophy can hide the other fact of what's happening at the club. It's in the league position
3: you see if you're progressing really well. Again, I disagree, and I think, you know, Darren was nodding along to a lot of what I was saying there. Manchester United need to win silverware. It's been too long without silverware for still. On paper, the biggest club in England, one of the biggest clubs in Europe. Second place in the league is, is fantastic, but it doesn't really matter if you finish second, third or fourth as long as you qualify for the Champions League. In fact, I think most United fans would happily settle for fourth place as opposed for runners-up spot in return for some silverware for, for a chance of glory.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd say no, no manager of a top team can say, can afford to say or should be saying in any circumstances, silverware doesn't matter. Silverware is the metric on which you are judged in terms of your reign in charge of any football team. And for Selskiar to say that silverware is an ego trip, I think he's getting his excuses in early. Agreed. Manchester United managers must be winning silverware. And, and, and there are no exceptions to that. You know, you can't be getting new contracts because you're a nice guy, because you're good with the press, because your management skills aren't good. What you've got to do as Man United boss is win matches and Solskjaer hasn't won enough of them. And to say that he's second means he's doing a good job. Actually, no. If you're Man United and given that they hit the front at the turn of the year and have failed to build on that, I think that he deserves a bit more scrutiny than he's getting. And that's not just having a go at him for the sake of it. That's saying you've taken over one of the biggest clubs in the world. You can't just say that mediocrity is where you're prepared to 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 stay, that anyone who wants more than that is ego-driven. No chance. Not good enough.
3: And what would worry me, and you said it there, getting his excuses in early, why is he saying this on the eve of a massive European game, on the eve of an FA Cup quarter final. What message is that sending out to his players? doesn't matter if you win a trophy, lads. We're making progress. Actually, it does. Uh, Leicester
2: were excellent against Sheffield United, even though they don't didn't really have to be in that match. It's Brendan Rodgers' at 100th game in charge this weekend when he takes on Manchester United. I left them out of the list that I made at the top about you know, teams that couldn't win the FA Cup because, in my opinion now, I think Leicester sort of almost have joined the elite, haven't they? Or they certainly will have joined the elite if they win a trophy. Um, How do they beat Manchester United? What are their main threats?
0: Attack them. Uh, I think Kalechi Iheanacho is in a wonderful vein of form at the moment. Lots of people have written him off in terms of... Has he got 11
2: goals now? (laughs) 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 might (laughs) be only just. (laughs) My stats have now started to add up.
0: Did you write him off, Alex?
2: No, I think we we did a podcast, don't you remember, where me and Alex both got statistics wrong in the first section of the programme about Kalechi Iheanacho and Manchester City's winning run. Um, Yours was more glaring than mine. Yeah, I'd said uh, he and actually had scored eleven goals. I, I just went a little bit earlier. I was seeing into the future. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he is absolutely doing well, and I think you, he, he's on course to score far more than that. Uh, given the way that he's performing in recent weeks, I was talking to Andy Cole, who I know is a regular on uh, your Sunday show, Sam, and he was saying to me that it is all about confidence. The way that he's taking his goals, the composure that he's showing in the box you know, sitting goalkeepers down before picking his spot. It's all about confidence. And for a long time, people worried about what Leicester would do without Jamie Vardy. But now they have an answer because he isn't just good in the box. He's got that pace about him. He's got that ability to run in behind. He's got a good understanding with the players around him. And I think United underestimate Ian Atchew at their peril this weekend.
1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.
3: Leicester City with two minutes to go. May just have won the game at the Amex. And a big blow in terms of Brighton and staying in the Premier League. Sanchez flapping at thin air.
2: We've been in a a relegation battle for months now, you know, that's how it is. That's the narrative of the Premier League.
3: Trossard with a chance, good save by the goalkeeper, Ariola. although I think he really should have buried that one away, Leandro Trossard.
2: We know the situation we're in. We know that we haven't got the points we, we need. We need more points
1: and that's what we'll try to do. Corner delivered to the far post, he's heading down and it's in! He's gone in off a Newcastle player on the line! It's a concern to everybody, whether you're inside the club or the supporter of the club, the one thing you don't want to be doing is to be sucked into it. Murphy, he's driving to the edge of the box, he's into the area, they try to bring him down on the edge, he's still going. he squares it, big chance, he's headed and he's gone over the top! We have to find a way, we have to keep showing that resilience that they're showing.
2: Brighton against Newcastle is live Saturday night. Talk Sport 2. Big moves in the relegation markets this weekend with this pivotal game on Saturday evening. Might not be as pivotal for Brighton as it was looking like being before the Southampton win, Crook. And a lot will depend on what happens on Friday night. But if the Seagulls win, which they should, Newcastle are going to be in
3: real trouble. They have won twice in three months. Yeah, and all the pressure is on Newcastle in many ways. Brighton have just... Given themselves a lift, given themselves a Philip, if you like, with that win against Southampton. Well-deserved as well. I thought they showed great spirit, great character, and great game management um, in the second half. And I think Brighton have got enough attacking weapons now to hurt Newcastle. I've been really impressed with the form of Adam Lalana in particular over the last two games, someone who hasn't played as much football this season as he or Brighton would have liked, someone who struggled for fitness. But if they can keep him fit now for the rest of the season, he's going to have a big part to play. I love the the slide rule passes that he plays in for for the likes of Neil Mopo who needs a goal by the way in 10 I think now for him in the Premier League and Trossar poses a goal threat as well. Danny Welbeck was energetic and and lively against Southampton. I think they'll take the game to Newcastle. It's the only way that that Brighton know how to play and with Newcastle once again shorn of many of their attacking options this is a game, as you say, that, that Brighton should win and, and then the pressure will be very much on Steve Bruce. Uh, Brighton beat them easily at St James's part, didn't they? I think it was 3-0 in that game.
2: and they, They've now got, as you mentioned, Alana firing, pulling the strings, looking like he's going to have a major influence on them between now and the end of the season. And I thought it was interesting, the two slightly different moods coming out of the dressing room. Danny Welbeck saying this week that he and the team relishing going up against Steve Bruce's side. The Newcastle dressing room, Darren, doesn't really
0: give off that vibe. No, it doesn't. Uh, We all know about the uh, bust-up that Steve Bruce had with his players, one in particular, a few weeks ago. And since then, we've been wondering what kind of response the other players within the squad would be giving us. What kind of desire, stroke, appetite they'd be showing. Now, to be fair, in the game immediately afterwards against West Brom, they were decent. But they've been no more than that since then. And that's what leads you to believe that in a clash between two sides fighting for their life, it might be Brighton that come out on top because Newcastle, you know, just in the wider context, have circled the train for far, the drain for far too long. And you know, it my
2: it's here, it's here. We've got it in every week. <laughs> do I do that every week? We said we told you, you know, when we open our merch store, uh, the game day podcast merchandise line, we're going to get a T-shirt, which is. If you circle the drain long enough, Darren Lewis, (laughs) 2020-21.
0: Well, uh, listen, as far as Newcastle are concerned, they've been down there for far too long. At the start of the season, there were players brought in that left a lot of people with a lot of optimism. But clearly there's been a breakdown in the relationship between Steve Bruce and that squad of players. A lot of the detail was in that story by Craig Hope of the Daily Mail that suggested that even though there were one or two pulling for the manager, there were several others who were not. And the stat that you read out a second ago, that worries me going into this match, because that says that there isn't enough consistency. And all three of us said, didn't we, that Fulham could catch Newcastle. That still remains a possibility.
2: Two of the three of us said that, yeah. Uh, Me and you, he didn't... I still think Fulham will go. Yeah. Uh, it depends what day it is and if you've had a bust up with the Newcastle fans or not. Because last Friday night, you started cheering when Aston Villa scored. Um, <laughs> let's just uh, quickly revisit what you said about the, uh, the the situation in the Newcastle dressing room. Because it is now, I, I, I suppose...
0: This is the time for lovemaking.
2: Yeah, getting everybody together, I suppose. That's that, That's the sort of kind of thing that, that Steve Bruce has got to do. Um, let's talk about Fulham against Leeds on Friday night because before that huge game on Saturday is Fulham-Leeds uh, down at the cottage. And Leeds' capital punishment has continued this season as it did yeah. last. They're terrible in London for whatever reason. They have got a terrible record. They haven't won any games in London for about, I don't know, two years or something. Um, They looked a little bit goal shy before the injury to Pat Bamford, but they created enough opportunities actually in that Chelsea game. I suppose if Fulham don't give them any chances, the likelihood is Fulham can nick this, can't they, Crook?
3: Yeah. um, And and obviously a lot lot will depend on the the fitness of Patrick Bamford, but you're dead right about that London statistic. My brother is is a massive Leeds fan, has been since the 1970s, and every time they lose in London, he reminds me of the stat of when they last won in the capital. I mean, it... It has to just be a coincidence. It it clearly can't be any more than that, but it's a bizarre I do wonder also um, with Leeds, and and we know that Bielsa is a very demanding coach. He he wants them to play with high energy, wants them to dominate possession, press high up the pitch. And and we've seen in previous seasons that they've run out of legs under Bielsa at the end of the campaign. I I wonder if that possibly is is just happening again because they've expanded a lot of mental and physical energy since they became a, a Premier League team. I mean, they're not in any danger of going down So there's no concerns on that front. But I think for Fulham, this could be a good time to to play Leeds with that in mind. Look, Fulham need to find a way through uh, anybody's defence because
2: their big issue is they don't score enough goals. It shouldn't be too much of a problem against Leeds United, especially if they just deliver an accurate set piece into the box. 14 goals Leeds have conceded uh, from set pieces. Almost a quarter of all of the goals that they've let in have come from set pieces. And Liam Cooper is set to miss out Again, but they need someone, Mitrovic or Magia, to start scoring goals on a more regular basis, don't they, Darren?
0: Yeah, I think uh, Magia more than Mitrovic. Um, sometimes Mitrovic, I see him come on, his shorts look a little bit, only a little bit uh, bigger than mine. Um, and I think, as far as. What, what are
2: you uh, suggesting? That, that his nutrition isn't maybe up to scratch by
0: any chance? Well, <laughs> I'm just saying that every time I see him, it just doesn't look that fit which is a real surprise perhaps there are other issues at play to be fair to him but because we know that a fit and firing Mitrovic is easily good enough to be able to shoot Fulham out of trouble uh, you're right about leads and the demands that are placed upon them by Bielsa and their poor away record those things say to me that you wouldn't really back them for this game with any kind of confidence and for me on a line through some of the teams that Fulham have given a really good game top six teams for me, I look at Fulham and I think if they brought that form to this game, they would win.
3: Darren's made me feel really guilty about tucking into a scotch egg, which is what I plan to do after we finish, but I might I might put that in the bin and um, have a falafel
2: <laughs> instead. Um, I've, I've noticed that there were two scotch eggs in that uh, packet that you've just shown us, and one of them is missing. So what you're really saying is, <laughs> is Darren's made you feel guilty about having the second scotch egg? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Now West Ham against Arsenal is a three o'clock start on Sunday. West Ham were pretty anemic in their game against Manchester United last Sunday. It was a dull game anyway, to be fair. But they will be refreshed and re-energised for Arsenal. And if they want to claim a place in the top four, Darren, then they need to make sure they win this one. It's still within their grasp. They're only three points behind Chelsea and they've got a game in hand.
0: I think they can win this one too. I'm not convinced at all by Arsenal. They've got some good young players, but the senior players aren't doing it consistently enough for me. Um, They play in the Europa League Thursday night, so we don't know what impact, even if they make changes, that will have on them. And I think, as you say... A West Ham side who approached this game with more belief than the one that they approached the main United game with can win it. I was very, you know me, I'm a big, big fan of David Moyes and have been all season and tipped them to gate crash the European places earlier on in the campaign. But I was very, very surprised that David Moyes didn't go for a jugular for the jugular against the United side that had played three days previously. They were uncertain, unconvincing, and they're, in my opinion, for the taking. And I think he approached it in a very similar way to the way that he approached Liverpool when Liverpool were there for the taking as well. And I hope they don't do that against Arsenal. If you're going to die, die with your boots on and go for the jugular because Arsenal at the moment are awful at the back. One clean sheet in their last 13 appearances. And I I think if Lingard will be back, as we all know, that'll be a big thing for them. They've got the pace to get in behind. They can hurt Arsenal and I expect them to give them a real game.
3: Listen, so I think we've all at various times over this season given Arsenal a bit of a kicking, and, and rightly so, but I think we we need to highlight how well they played in that North London derby. Yes, Tottenham were poor, but I think Arsenal approached that game in exactly the right way. They had a positive attitude right from the start and never really gave Tottenham the chance to play their way into the game. And then, of course, they full victim to that sucker punch goal from Lamella one in a million strike really but still have the character to come back and, and pick up a deserved fi- victory so if Arsenal can replicate that and I suppose that's the problem over the course of the season that lack of consistency but if they play as well this weekend as they did against Tottenham I think it will be difficult for West Ham even with Jesse Lingard back in their ranks
2: it wasn't a one in a million strike by Lamella by the way it was a six in 100 strike according to expected goals as I told you on the uh... Sunday evening, Darren and I aren't interested in expected <laughs> gold. Move on. Uh, Arsenal, are one of those teams that you can't trust, aren't they? As you've said, you know they will be buzzing after that North London derby win. Relatively easy path through. Uh, in the Europa League, you would have thought. I mean, if you're listening to this and you've just put this podcast on, and Arsenal are already out, well, even more of a reason not to trust them because they had such a good advantage from the first leg. Uh, But as Darren said, you know, they've kept two clean sheets in the last 13 away matches, one clean sheet in 13 in all competitions. I fancy West Ham, you know, I I really do. I just got a, a thing about West Ham and set pieces and unsettling defences and at home I just think they're a better team than they are away from home so I, I think I'll go for West Ham in this one tucks it home inside the six-yard box to give Chelsea an undeserved lead and Thomas Tuchel negotiates the first of his FA Cup ties. The FA Cup is one of the most prestigious cup in the world. This is a big, big game to play and a big, big goal to achieve. Sheffield United won Bristol City 0. Six wins in nine for the Blades. Back-to-back quarter-finals in the FA Cup. Looking after this football club, after after such a great manager like I said and someone I consider a friend, that's as far as I go with it. I know it's a big responsibility and I work with the players. Sunday sees two more quarterfinals of the FA Cup and it starts with Chelsea against Sheffield United at 1.30. Live on TalkSport, it has now been 597 minutes since Chelsea conceded a goal and that was against Southampton. Takumi Minamino scored it. You wouldn't put much stock in Sheffield United scoring against them this weekend unless you'd already seen them do so. Well, sort of. Um, only two goals Chelsea have conceded since Thomas Tuchel took over, and one of them was against Sheffield United when Antonio Rudiger kicked it into his own net. Um, I, I would expect Chelsea to, to, to go another 90 minutes without conceding,
0: Darren, don't you? Yeah, you don't need too much from me on this one. Chelsea are going to win. Sheffield United heads have fallen. Chris Wilde has gone. They are planning for next season. Chelsea are on a roll, defensively organised. Lots of leadership in that back line. Rudiger and Christensen looking much better, but any combination of defenders that play will keep Sheffield United out. They will win.
2: Well, that that game on uh, Wednesday night against Atletico Madrid, where Chelsea played with Zuma, Rudiger and Atpilicueta, I thought their control was excellent. I think they conceded a couple of chances towards the end of the game. They maybe could have given away a penalty in the first half. Apart from that... They absolutely bossed the team that is
3: bossing La Liga. I mean, it was pretty impressive stuff. I thought your analysis, Sam, of the uh, the Champions League game in midweek was was absolutely sensational. Um, did you make notes while watching the game live on um, Wednesday night? Or...
2: <laughs> no, I've I've only just finished re-watching it, and I had to rewatch it because, as I mentioned earlier, I had quite a sizeable win on the uh, on the on the horses on on Wednesday. And I may have overindulged slightly on on an alcoholic beverage and ended up falling asleep at 7 o'clock at night and not waking up till 9.30 in the morning and missed the entire match. And, and
3: not only that, what? fallen asleep mid-Zoom call, having had the brilliant idea to organise a, a, a Ladies' Day Zoom call with four couples, of which uh, myself and Mrs Crook were one, all of a sudden, literally mid-conversation, He's asleep on the sofa. Oh, I didn't know that. So when you sent that picture of me looking as if I was... I thought I was laughing. I wasn't. I was asleep. No, you were actually asleep. Yeah, I can confirm. On Sheffield United quickly, uh, myself, Darren Bent and Darren Ambrose had a really interesting chat with David McGoldrick. You can hear it on the Boot Room on Sunday night. And he gave us a bit of an insight into the Chris Wilder situation and his departure. And he said, the players were genuinely shocked and taken by surprise. They didn't know anything about it until reading Twitter on Friday morning. He also made the very good point that although Paul Heckingbottom was part of the backroom staff, he was the under-23s coach, none of the players have seen him for weeks and months on end because his bubble was separate to the first-team bubble. So... Literally, that is a relationship now that, that needs to build from the ground up. And he was relatively confident, David McGoldrick, that not only can they have a good end to the season, but also bounce back next season. But I think Darren Lewis is right. You you can see sometimes a manager loses the dressing room. I don't think Chris Wilder lost the dressing room. He lost the boardroom. And I think, therefore, it's a difficult situation for Heckingbottom uh, to come in and galvanise a group of players who are probably still mourning the guy who was there before him. And let's face it, who they owe their Premier League careers to because most of them wouldn't have ever got the chance to play in the top flight.
2: I just want to pick up on something that Darren said right at the beginning of uh, this chat about Sheffield United and Chelsea and that you said they're planning for next season in the Championship, Darren, Sheffield United. Well, their planning isn't very good, is it? Or hasn't been very good because although David Goldrick says that he's surprised about the fact that uh, Chris Wilder left the club, we've all sort of known that that's been in the offing for a little while and Chris Wilder himself has sort of indicated that he's been in negotiations for a payoff from this, uh, from them since since December time, really. So if they are planning for life in the Championship, they haven't been very sort of secure in the way that they've managed the transition, have they?
0: Oh, they haven't. I mean, I think <laughs> there are two things that I think, both of which could be true. Uh, one of which is that, players sometimes who are well aware of the situation inside the dressing room, inside the club, want to stay away from the politics publicly. So they do the old Arsene Wenger, I didn't see it, I know nothing about it. (laughs) They're well aware of what's going on. And on the other hand, players sometimes can take the view it doesn't bother me it doesn't affect me and they can be oblivious to some of the things that are going on I would go with the former I think it's inconceivable that any player inside that dressing room would not know what's going on given that the departure of Chris Wilder affects them all as you both rightly said this is the guy responsible for giving them the dream of playing Premier League football so it's inconceivable that any of them would not know what's going on or even would not want to know what's going on, given that it would affect their futures. As for planning, I think that it's been a shambles from top to bottom, really. And that's sad to say about a club, you know, we started this season, me bemoaning that goal against Aston Villa that wasn't given, that, in my opinion, materially affected their form from that point of last season onwards and has carried over into this season and has ultimately ended up with with, with such sad Situations surrounding the club, but for me,
3: I mean, that's a heck, heck of a hangover, but... by the way. That's worse than Sam's from Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be nice today. Apart from to Newcastle, I'm going to be nice.
0: <laughs> but you, you get the point I'm trying to make. Uh, I, I, I am a, I have a soft spot for Sheffield United, but it is sad to say that once it began to disintegrate. I think it's not been handled brilliantly at all.
2: Mm, It's not, um, it's probably a good job then really, isn't it, that they didn't get into Europe last year because um, imagine how stretched their squad would have been had they been in that situation as well this year. Um, Turmoil off the pitch for Sheffield United and on it uh, for the Blades. Chelsea, as we've already mentioned, really look a bit serene, don't they, at the moment? I I was quite convinced, and I think I told Crook this before uh, the, uh, the horse romped up, Uh, at 14-1 to yesterday that I thought Chelsea would um, win the game. I was pretty confident they would go through because they dominate the ball so well. They strangle the life out of matches. We talked about the lack of goal threat. Your paper went pretty strong, Darren, on Chelsea acquiring Erling Brought-Haaland or Haaland at the end of the season. That is an area they seemingly want to nail, though.
0: Yeah. um, And you could see why as a result Tammy Abraham doesn't want to commit himself long-term to the club if they're looking at other players outside of the Premier League. And the fascinating aspect of their interest in Haaland is that they will surely have looked at Werner and Havertz, and seen that you need time to adapt to what is the toughest league in the world. You don't get as much time on the ball as you do in the Bundesliga. I would argue even in the Champions League, although others might disagree with me. And so if they do want Haaland, who clearly is an exceptional talent, but Mm. will need time... It, it, I'll be fascinated by it. I really will. I don't think he'll need time.
3: I think he is an absolute freak, Haaland. And I think whatever team you put him in will win the Premier League next season. You see what he's done in the Champions League, he's the leading goal scorer in that competition. He is someone who just lives and breathes for scoring goals. I don't have any concern. I really don't. I don't think it's a shoe-in that he ends up at Chelsea. I think Manchester United are going to have a big say in this. I agree. I I think
2: think it'll be I think it'll be sort of a bit of a bidding war between those two clubs by the end of the season.
0: I think if United bought Kane, or even City, if City bought Kane and Chelsea bought Haaland, we see how good Chelsea's defensive record is. Chelsea by Haaland, City by Kane, City will win the league. It's a bit cool.
2: Neither of those things probably will happen, so and we won't have to worry about trying to prove it because I don't think Harry Kane's going to go to Manchester City. Do you,
0: Darren? I think there's every chance if Spurs don't finish in the top four, that City would make a huge offer for Kane. They are one striker away from being a complete team. Spurs, if they were to get a ridiculous offer from for Kane, and Kane were to indicate that he would be interested in listening, a la Gareth Bale in 2013 it would be very difficult for them. Isn't it more likely that... That, that is not an unusual it's circumstance. not an
2: unusual circumstance, but Harry Kane is of an age where you couldn't really... I mean, we couldn't really justify spending that much money on him if you could spend a comparable amount
0: on Erling Holland. You're kidding me, right? How old is Robert Lewandowski and he's still ripping it up?
2: But would you? But I'm just talking about the trend so far over the course of the last couple of years has been to spend big money on younger players rather than big money on older players that are coming towards the sort of twilight of their career. Not saying that Kane is, but he's in late 20s. So w-
0: You've got to make up your mind. Are you saying he is or are you saying he's not?
2: I'm saying he's late 20s, so the, the trend has been most of the money has been spent on a, players a lot younger than that. If you, if you look at the big money transfers, Jao Felix, franchise player, Havertz, franchise player, that it's huge money on players that are going to grow into their potential rather than players that are already proved it. There's not many of those big money signings that are now transferring from club to club that are of an age where they've already proved it.
0: Sam, Harry Kane will score goals for the next five years. Well, he, he may do. But I'm just talking about We're the, the current trend. Proving people roll all his career who said he couldn't do it, he couldn't do it and he's done it. 20 goals, 20 goals, 25 goals, golden boot winner in the Premier League, golden yeah. boot winner at the World Cup. He will score goals for the well, next five years. I'm sure he will.
2: But I'm, what I'm saying is is that clubs are reluctant to commit huge amounts to players who are towards the end of their 20s at this moment in time because of the pandemic, because of the finances involved and because of the fact that they reckon they're going to get better value spending money on younger players.
3: I think Haaland will also be an easier deal to do even if it does go down the, the bidding war road as we expect because you're not dealing with Daniel Levy. How much is it going to take to get Harry Kane uh, away from Tottenham? And I have to say, and I really enjoyed that tennis match between you two, if I have to fall down on one side and you gave me a straight choice, Harry Kane for £150 million or Haaland for £150 million, I would go for
0: Haaland. Wow. you both surprised me I mean I think Kane will need no time whatsoever to adapt to the Premier League you don't know what you're going to get with Haaland I see why you're confident but I think if you look at Werner you look at Havertz both of whom were ripping it up last season they're taking their time to find their feet which is entirely fair because they are young men in a different country learning a different language and a different style of football And that is very likely to happen for Haaland, however highly we rate him. And I share that high rating of him. Kane will not need that time. And if you're going to spend big on a a, a player to win things, what you want to be able to do is know that that player will hit the ground running. And as for whether it would be difficult to get him out of uh, Tottenham, Everyone said the same things about Gareth Bale, but when the player wants to go, the player forces the, the issue and he ends up where he wants to go. And you're not telling me, Bale hasn't at some stage turned to, to Kane and said, I forced my way out and I've got four Champions Leagues under my belt. So have you had a tip off that
2: Harry Kane wants to leave?
0: No, not at all. Not at all. I'm just saying that we live in the real world. I could be, you know, I could say what Spurs fans want to hear and that he's not going anywhere. But come on, I've done this job for 20 years and year after year, season after season, I, I see.
2: Hey, When you've seen in- Harry Redknapp give up Portsmouth and go to Southampton and come back again and Sol Campbell sw- switch Tottenham for Arsenal, anything can Happen. Uh, let's talk about Bournemouth against Southampton. Twelve fifteen Saturday. It's the one that kicked us all off. Bournemouth had a good win in the Championship in midweek when they beat Swansea, and I think actually they can cause Southampton a few problems because, despite the fact that Ralph really wants to go all out for the FA Cup, they've picked up just four points in six games since they beat Wolves in the last round, and there's no Minamino, no Walcott, no Ings, crookie.
3: Um, You're right, I watched Bournemouth in midweek. It was their most complete performance, certainly since John Woodgate came in as manager. Arguably their best performance of the season against the Swansea side, who've done really well, as we know, in the Championship. And they've got match winners. They proved that in an earlier round against Burnley, caused a bit of an upset at Turf Moor. Philip Billing, who I've not been a massive admirer of, mainly because of his attitude as opposed to his ability, suddenly is starting to look like a Premier League player all over again. They've tightened up defensively under Woodgate. Actually, Cameron Carter-Vickers on loan from Tottenham has done really Mm. well um, for Bournemouth. And you're right, with Southampton's absentees, with a lack of confidence, with Ralph Hasenhutl publicly saying that he wasn't happy with their performance last weekend, I don't think this is a foregone conclusion that Saints are going to get through to a semi-final. If Bournemouth were to get there, what a fabulous achievement for John Woodgate so early in his reign. And
2: despite the fact that uh, you... Alex Crook were interviewing him in the the midst of uh, the speculation that Thierry Henry would be the new manager and you actually asked former Real Madrid centre-half Jonathan Woodgate what it would be like for the players in the dressing room if a Champions League superstar came uh, to the club
3: <laughs> and then wondered why it didn't much take to you. <laughs> Listen, Obviously, John, Jonathan Woodgate was a fantastic player in his own right, but I don't think we can compare Woodgate to Thierry on well, race. You holes. certainly didn't, did Stand you? Stand <laughs> by my line of questioning. Yeah, but, yeah. Um,
2: Not entirely sure it was the most uh, uh, you know, sensible way to try and make friends. <laughs> um, Jay Adams getting
0: a Scotland call-up is a big deal for him, isn't it, Darren? Uh, Yes it is Uh, Because when he arrived at the club uh, There were doubts from some people As to whether or not he could cope In the Premier League But he's shown that he has Not just with his goals But with his work rate as well A wonderful understanding with his teammates A wonderful attitude He's been excellent Really, really excellent And I think uh, he is Whatever level he steps up to He always gives a good account of himself And I think he deserves it
3: yeah, I agree. I think he's shown a, a, a terrific work ethic and, and a, both he and and Ralph Harden, who deserve credit almost for persevering with each other because we know that Leeds were trying to sign him halfway through last season. Che Adams decided to stay, wasn't scoring goals at that stage, but believed he could turn his fortunes around and clearly retain the backing of the manager as well. I would like to know if he's ever been to Scotland. Or if we're in a, uh, 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 was it Matt Ritchie who got called up by Scotland it's a good and, and then admitted question. that he'd never been there?
2: <laughs> that is, uh, a good is history question. repeating? Maybe we could find that out for the next pod. Um, but then again, since we sent you a task uh, the other week about Brighton using a uh, psychoanalyst to help their strikers, and you still haven't found out for us, maybe we shouldn't hold our breath. Um, uh, former Southampton chairman Ralph Kruger was sacked as coach of NHL team Buffalo Sabres in the last 24 hours. I mean, the, the, the thing about this that really caught my eye, this story, is that Ralph Kruger was the chairman of Southampton now he is a coach of an NHL team. The, the very fact that Southampton have had two people in their hierarchy over the last 15 years that have come from different sports. And what is the obsession with Southampton bringing in people from completely different disciplines?
3: You're talking about Sir Clive Woodward, aren't you? And again, we've we mentioned him three times now on this podcast. Must be a record. But I remember when he was appointed, uh, didn't necessarily go down particularly well with Harry Redknapp, did it? That was, uh, that was a really interesting story uh, to cover. And was he spotted So Clive Woodward with players' names scrawled on his wrist and that was giving tactics away to the opposition. I I seem to recall covering that story back in the day. I've obviously been around too long.
2: You have, you have. Uh, And we've probably been around too long uh, today as well. Uh, That's it from us. Thanks to Darren Lewis from The Mirror, Alex Crook. We're back on Monday morning when you wake up as we look back on what is going uh, to be a season-defining weekend. Someone. Please rate and review the podcast. Subscribe to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. Download our app and we've got loads of great shows there. For you to get involved with as well.
1: The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on talk sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more